So this is part two of my conversation with the wonderful William Stone. Um, if you haven't known part one, go down and listen to that and come back here. Uh, before we get into the conversation, though, I did mention that myself and Ben Morgan have started a comedy night. It's called Red Cup Comedy. It's going to be monthly, and um, it's going to be at the, the White House bar in Farringdon. So we're going to have a group of some great stand-ups from the, open, from the London of my circuit and along with them we are going to have a tv headliner so it's once a month the first night is going to be on april 1st so get yourselves down there then um so here's the part two of my conversation with the wonderful william stone Good. It is because like you're thinking about you're developing a little empathy, I guess, yeah, I suppose, yeah. and you'll understand how other people think. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting how you said character. Um, yeah. How did you sort of find your voice? Well, um, it's interesting because re- recently I've started referring to what I do on stage as a persona rather than a character. Okay. But uh, essentially, again, for the for the point of view of my jokes to work you have to kind of believe that that person would really do that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just an abstract list of thoughts. You know? Yeah. So, for it to be more convincing, I played a bit of a, like, what I call a confident idiot. Yeah. So, it's someone that thinks they're really smart, but they've got it all wrong. Or they think they're really alpha, but they're actually very deep. You know? um, and so, and then, once I got better at the performance side of it, then the jokes work better. No... You know, I did edit was not long, of course, but, but what helped more than anything was just that people could believe that that guy would do that or that guy would think that. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, that's an interesting idea you presented to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and um, but the trouble is, I went, I leaned into it a bit too hard. I think what is a good technique for any kind of learning any kind of skill, especially performance, is to turn it up to 11 and then bring it down to find the, like, the right I, level. I like, love the Spinal Tap reference yes. there, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's made my day. To be fair, that is a brilliant that is a brilliant analogy to use, a brilliant film for a brilliant film. Yeah, yeah, no, well. I think, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you don't know, and I think someone else said, like, if you don't know where the other side of the road is, you don't know where the centre is. So. Yeah, <laughs> um, So, um, yeah, um, um, I think... I leaned into it quite hard, and, and it was a bit too... The problem, I think, was that conceptually it was flawed, because if I was that nervous about being on stage, that insecure, why would I be on stage, and why yeah. would I keep making myself yeah. So it's kind of a bit, like, uh, uh, inconsistent, I suppose. But um, So now, I relaxed into it a lot more. I kind of wear more like what I normally wear off stage. I behave a bit more like as off stage, just an, an amplified version of my weirder side. Yeah rather than a completely separate entity. Like, so initially it was more of an character, now it's more of a persona, so the parts of my personality that I'm kind of like, sort of insecure about, that being a bit weird or a bit different, yeah. I, I turn that up. Um, and it seems to be working. And then that now works better in bigger rooms and clubs and stuff, because this, it's warmer. So yeah. before it was quite cold, it was a bit more warm in the audience, because it's so deadpan, it's so... Uh, sort of neurotic and insular. And now I think people can, I let them in a lot more. Yeah. yeah. 
And then when you let them in a lot more, they feel more warm towards you and they trust you a lot and they yeah. trust you a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's still, if anything, the character works better now because it's more believable. Yeah. Because it's more realistic. You know, yeah. So. Because it is an amplified version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being another separate character, yeah, you're bringing yeah. a lot more of your actual notions and thoughts into this. Yeah. That's kind of the secret. Not exactly the secret to it, but that's a major part of what I think a lot of, the, a lot of comics on my level are sort of maybe missing. I think everyone on stage is doing a persona whether yeah. they think so or not you're not it's a filter you're filtering your experience of the yeah. world through your writing your voice and it's not you're not being enti- never being entirely honest even if you're kind of like a very open you know, yeah. it's still through the lens of like there still has to be some story there or something funny there so everyone I think is doing a persona um, and it's about finding what um, it's almost like an amalgamation of what you want to say and what the audience expects from you based on what they yeah. you are yeah. and finding the middle ground between those two because if you come up and you know you try to be this really introverted person which very clearly you're not it's yeah. a bit of there's any doubt in performance people just switch off or they don't they're, they're thinking about the wrong thing it's like well, hang on you know so for example I've got like a lot of tattoos. I was going to ask you about them, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if I was to come on stage, but I always wear a jumper or a shirt, because if people see that you've got tattoos, they read you straight away as an extra. Mm-hmm. And then the illusion of like, well, why is he being like this one? Is, is, is you know, so um, it takes a long time to figure out, I think, what the audience think you are. Mm-hmm. And then you have to lean into that a bit so that they're not distracted by you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I don't know, like, say, for example, if you're in Ocean Tea or something and you didn't talk about it, the audience are probably going to be a bit distracted. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, that's an extreme example. But, like, um, yeah, I think they want to have their preconceptions validated. In a yeah, way, that's like, it. Um, so, otherwise, they're distracted. Yeah, so when you walk on stage, they want to, well, you want them to know almost who you are as you're walking up, yeah, as yeah. you're walking up onto the st- as you're walking up yeah, the stage, yeah. and there's nothing more satisfying than when you can get a laugh before you even say. That's it. Sometimes, so like, like, I often will walk out to the microphone really confidently, and then just sort of look at the audience while I'm putting the microphone stand back. Yeah. And sometimes they're laughing already because they're like, "He's so awkward." You know what yeah. I mean? So uh, they have dreams. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, yeah, they, everything is like it's. It's not just what you said. Well, this is someone who's just like a year, like almost two years in. So correct me if I'm wrong, but. It's not just what you're saying. Yeah. It's everything about you. So you, it's what I've been kind of coined. Well, someone has said to me, "Is a comedy uniform? Yeah, like yeah, what yeah, you yeah. wear on, like what you wear on stage, and how you hold yourself is mm. almost, almost just as important as what you're saying, because that can convey who you are to an audience, to an audience. Mm. So, what has been your best and your worst gig so far? Um, my best gig is hard to choose. <laughs> Not because I've had so many, <laughs> but, but I feel like um, the ones that I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed so much. It's hard to like say that was the best. Because you enjoy things in different ways, you know. Yeah. So you can have the best gig of your life, or tiny, or the worst gig. You know. I, I feel like I'm um, obfuscating, but anyway, um, I think probably the first stage of the competition. 
in terms of response, it went down as I went along in the competition. Oh, so, and I think it's just different rooms. And, uh, the mistakes are higher. The audience might feel a bit pressured for you and stuff like that. There's all sorts of factors. But at the first stage, I've done loads of competitions. But that first stage, there's no way of saying this without sounding arrogant. I'm yeah. going to say it. That was the only time I've been like, I think I'm out Brilliant. Like, I've never felt like that. But always like, oh, even if I've done well, I've been like, oh, I don't know. That wasn't, uh, that's good, that's good. But I came off stage and was like, I couldn't have asked for a better response. Everything I've done, that's always great. And it was just that rolling kind of laughter, which is hard to get as an online opinion. Yeah. Because there's no bills to that. So that was, yeah, it's got to be that one. That's brilliant. Like, that is a great feeling. And, like, like, and I love the fact that you had to preface, you kind of preface that with, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound yeah. arrogant, but fuck it. Like, I think a little bit, I think a little bit of arrogance is a, is a good thing. Like, well, I you, think, yeah, it's, there's a very fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Self-confidence and arrogance. So oh, it's like, yeah. if you, having it, it depends on which direction. So if you're doing it inwardly, like, I feel good about myself, that's one thing, but you're yeah. projecting it out to yeah. other people that can come across as arrogant. Yeah, like, yeah, that's just a bit annoying, though. That's just yeah. a bit annoying, isn't it? Um, so what's been your worst game? You don't have to mention names, or... That's all right. Um, I think, you know, I think I, I mentioned it earlier, I think when um, that top secret game... Really? I think, yeah. But that's the other thing, is that, like, so... You often, when you play there, you'll do upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. And then upstairs, that that's up there with the BBC. You know, that's that's in my top five. Really? I, I had a really good game, really nice time. Felt really good on stage. Had got a really good response. And then I went downstairs, and I think probably I went in too confident. That's probably the problem. Oh. So I was a bit too relaxed, a bit like, I've got this, like rubbing my hands together, you know. Yeah. And then I had not built up that kind of like, you need a bit of that adrenaline, that bit of like, oh, how's this going to go? It's before well, I think. And so then when when the, the bad response hit me, it hit me hard. Really? And then I couldn't climb back up. I, I got knocked off that ladder, and then I was like, and it was, they were, like I said, they were really drunk. But you have that, like, I should be able to deal with this thing. Even yeah. there are rooms that are unplayable. I, I think there's rooms that Jeff Ennison will find unplayable. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, it's different for everyone what, what level that is. But I still felt like I should have been able to do something with it. Yeah. But I was just, like, talking over them. It was horrible. So, again, that was another one where I was like, I have to change the way I yeah. on stage. So that if that happens again, I can like stay in character and deal with it. Because the way it was before, that person wouldn't be like, "I got a minute," you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's really cool about that response yeah. is that you clearly, obviously, you didn't have a good gig, but it was a beneficial gig. I think so. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I think you learn in all gigs. I wouldn't say you learn more from bad gigs. I think that's a bit also, but um, you. I think if you are, you care about it and you want to be better, you have to learn from everything. Yeah. Because I think even if it's just like, I shouldn't be doing this kind of gig anymore without yeah. checking like if it's in a proper room and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Or whatever, you know. But you I think you always learn good and bad. Uh, or you, you should you should aim to. Yeah. You should aim to learn. Yeah. So I've I've what as I said, I've watched Top Secret. I've, I've watched that Top Secret before. Yeah. How do you find doing the the two doing the two runs back to back? Well, the first time I did them back to back, it was great. I did one upstairs, did one downstairs. I think I did it the other way around, actually. Downstairs was great. Upstairs, second, great. Then the second time. Um, it's, it's a different kind of thing. So it's interesting because it's the same clubs. It's the same kind of audience. Yeah. Same kind of like demographic and stuff. 
but the size alters it. And I, again, the smaller one upstairs, I just prefer it. Yeah. But there's something really satisfying about with a big room, you can get that bit more of a rolling matter because, you know, if you're getting a good response and then people, especially what I do, it's a bit slow burn. But then like, you get the second wave, and then that makes it yeah. people back again because they, they get to enjoy the other people enjoying it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. When it goes really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy them in different ways, but I, yeah, yeah. That's cool. But it's fun to be able to do two great gigs yeah. right next to each other. That's yeah. the best thing about it. Right, and it is such a, and I, I love the aesthetic of the building itself yeah. because it is literally a top secret because yeah, yeah. it's almost not, it's so small. Yeah, you, you could easily miss it. I missed it when I was looking at it. Yeah, yeah. it's like a TARDIS, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. From the outside, it just looks like it's an office space. Or something like that. Well, yeah, because it, it could be. It's right next to, well, what's soon to not be School of Rock, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, 15 stories high. Seg- yeah. Nice little segue. Uh, yeah. Why is it a sitcom that you... Why is it a sitcom? What is it about that sitcom that you love so much? Um, for me, is um, We have a lot of sitcoms. It's going to sound really stupid, but they can be a bit too sitcom-y. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just... It becomes like a production line of gags. Sort yeah. Of and it feels like, oh, you know, there's always like the same set and everyone's in the same place. It can yeah. Be a bit, it can be a bit stale with, with, with the traditional format of sitcom. What I love about Fifteen Stories is it's where sitcom meets sketch. Yeah. So you've got the main characters and the main storyline is Vince, played by Sean Long, yeah. and um, Errol, played by Benedict Wong. Yeah. And they, they have a flat share, and it's the odd couple, basically. Yeah. It's, it's Steptoes, it's, you know, um, Rodney and Delboys, the two people that are yeah. forced into a situation together that don't really, they're, they're different. So Errol, Errol is very optimistic, very chipper, yeah. not very cool and stuff. Yeah. And then you've got Vince, who's sort of very cynical, very depressive. Yeah. And they, so that's that's the main crux of it. Yeah. And it, because the situation is they live in a tower block. Yeah. And then where the sort of sketchy element comes in is that you just get these little vignettes, so it'll cut. I thought the microphone's been picking that up. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I think where the sketch element comes in, so yeah, so they live in a tower block, and every now and again it will cut to this what's happening, like a little snapshot of some other people's lives, and then you get um, so much humour out of that, because you don't have to know the whole background of these people, there's no story, you can just get these really nice visual gags and these funny situations, Um, but on the flip side of that, so when you get a sketch show, sometimes there's no through line, you get a bit... It's like, oh, I don't like these characters, but I like this sketch. You, yeah. you know, like, in Little Britain, you might love Andy and... What's his Andy, name? Uh, yeah. Andy and... Um, uh, yeah, Andy's the one in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Like the other one. Yeah, no, no one knows who no, you know, uh, David Wiley. But then you might hate Bubbles, you know, so... <laughs> but these the little vignettes are all so well done. And I think it's... Um, really... It's just a really unique show. A really particular type of humour that um, doesn't feel like you're watching a sitcom. I think it's just yeah. because you break out of it enough. Um, and I mean, I think Errol, the um, I wouldn't say sidekick, but yeah. the sort of second to, to Sean Mark, it's a massive influence on my, my character, my outfit, so. I mean, for one, he's, he's northern, yeah. <laughs> but he's sort of like innocent and a bit. A bit um, naive and innocent, yeah, and quite sweet and sort of like charming, 
in a clueless way. Um, and I always sort of warned comedy characters that, that are like a bit vulnerable, and, um, yeah. uh, but not in a flawed way. But kind of just like, uh, and I love Olivia. I love Olivia. Yeah. And every show, like, and another big influence, and it was hard for me to choose because of this, but it was, would be um, Father Dougal and Father Ted. Father Dougal, so yeah. My character is sort of a cross between those two. But yeah, um, and um, yeah, it's, it's a real snapshot of kind of like, I think, I'm not, I'm not from London, yeah. but a real snapshot of working class London life, yeah. like living in the town, but oh, yeah. it really has that feeling of like, because you do interview, you have all these crazy characters that you see every day, or you might not know them, you know. Um, and um, it's it's um, uh, I can't actually yeah. how to explain it, but it's surreal in a really mundane way, in yeah. a very everyday. So there's not everything that happens in it could happen. Yeah. But it's that that kind of like just beyond reality. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. there's an episode where someone in another tailback has a horse in the flat. <laughs> You know, which is, it, it could happen, yeah. <laughs> but it's just that bending reality. But it's like, and you do have these, you know, you live in like on an estate or in a, you yeah. know, or like in a town block, and you have these people that like, have these very odd ways of doing things, have their own quirks and stuff, and you're forced into a situation together. Yeah, you're living together, but not, and that is what a sitcom is. It's like yeah. people being forced into a situation and to deal with each other. Well, so the, the concept of it is really solid. Yeah. How far do you think Sean Lott's character in the show? Is the similar or different to the character he is, or the persona he is on stage um, or on TV? His humour is exactly the same. Yeah, because he wrote. Yeah, he yeah, wrote it, he? yeah. His humour is very much the same, and it's a little bit pointed, a little bit peevish, and a little bit like maybe jealous and poking fun. But he's a lot looser and warmer when you see him on panel and on stand up. Yeah. Whereas in this, he's very much a depressing. He's kind of like no, not that time for anyone. Um, but you know, it's a, when you see him on stage and on panel, he's a lot warmer and a lot like he'll laugh yeah. along with things and stuff. So it's, but it's the same kind of humour. Yeah. Okay. But it's never mean, I don't think, which is a real thing to me. I like um, something that it's that no one's expects. You can do it. Oh, I don't know. You, you, sometimes it depends who it is. <laughs> but, um, once things get mean, it's like you can get make, get a bit uncomfortable. You can play with that for yeah. Yeah, it's very sort of innocent sitcom. I think you could potentially show it to like a twelve year old or a nineteen year old. No one yeah. would be like, you know, no one really bat an eyelid. Yeah, workers. but it's very very real at the same yeah. time. You know, I yeah, it's great. That's <laughs> good. Uh, so speaking of sketch, though, yeah. uh, how did you get your sketch? How did you get your um, you wrote, a, you wrote a sketch, didn't you? Yes, so um, I did um, a sketch for BBC, BBC, BBC Three Quickies, yeah. which is an online-only uh, sort of platform thing. And um, so it's open submissions, but I think because I've done the BBC competition, you're probably more inclined to give it a proper read. Yeah. Um, and then they liked the idea, but it wasn't quite right, so we went back and forth quite a few times. Okay. And eventually, the, the great thing is the producers, really nice guys that I've become friends with sort of since doing the BBC Five. Yeah. Um, they really liked the idea, so they, instead of just being like, oh, it's not really working, they tell me how it was, so they can yeah. get, it, get it made, you know. So it's really, it was really nice to have that relationship where they felt like they could say, 
Just change this bit. Don't do that. Put this in there. Don't do no. So they didn't try to change it. No. They just were able to say, and this is what a good producer is, to recognise what's the strongest idea and what you're trying to say. Yeah. You know. Um, and then before that, I'd done, I'd played small parts. I want to say small parts, like really small parts in other BBC TV quickies. So yeah. I had a bit of on-camera experience. So I knew how a sketch shoot works. So I always think, again, like it's hard. Obviously, you want to make money out of comedy, and you, yeah. you should, you should be paid and stuff. But I think you should also seize any opportunity because you don't know how that's going to help you down the line. Yeah. So when it came to doing my own sketch, seeing how other, seeing how the writer of the first sketch I did was able to talk to the director of photography and producer and so on, I knew that like, oh, it's okay to make your own suggestions, yeah. or, or to make oh, I would, or to make it clearer what your point was so they can best film, you know. So um, having done the other ones first meant that when I'm on the set on the day, I was able to say like oh, um, I think. Um, I wouldn't t- you know, tell them what to do, but I think it needs to be like a low-angle shot. But I mean, like, this is what I'm trying to create with this team, so then they can best do their job. Yeah. You know? So but I had the confidence to do that because I've seen other people that I've worked with doing, in, in my position as the writer, say, oh, this is what I'm trying to convey. So, yeah. um, whereas if I'd gone straight into that process, I might have felt a bit intimidated, kind of kept the head down and stuff. So, yeah. so what do you prefer writing, stand-up or sketch? Um, what, actually, no, that's what I that. What comes more naturally to you? Uh, jokes. Yeah. Jokes. Okay. I find sketch hard. I find stories hard. <laughs> um, jokes. It's, I'm on the other side of the coin to most people. The thing I get most is like, I love jokes, but I can't do just a one liner, but I can't do just a snappy joke. Yeah. And I would love to be able to have a bit in my show where it's like two minutes of a story or five minutes of a whole bit. Um, but I just my brain isn't wired that way in the same way that a lot of people's brain isn't wired to write short gaff. Yeah. Know? So I that is my strength and I've just gone full to it at it and that's why I try and be good at. Um and it helps me, you know, so then like with lottery, people have been like, Oh, this guy can write jokes. I want to aim on my writers to you know. So um I think that's an important thing is recognizing your strength and yeah really, really making it clear that that's what we do. So I, I put out a lot of content. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it just reminds people in the industry that you know and stuff that you, that is what you do. You're always writing. You're always yeah. the case. And people that find that side of it harder or need help with it or, you know, have a lot of time. Yeah. So they're like, who do I know in my guess? I'd like some more time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think, um, so sort of coming back to the confidence and the arrogance thing, it's like you have to put yourself out there and sell yourself. Yeah. No one else is going to come knocking down your door. Yeah. No. So, um, I think you should have to be unashamed of being good at what you're good at. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that there's still a need to be on television for a comics these days? Um, I don't know. So I'm in that weird. Um, overlap between like people that have grown up with internet all their lives and people that have only got it later in life. So I'm in the yeah. middle so I sort of was online for about 14, 15, you know. Whereas like now the younger comics they're a lot better at like utilising social media. I didn't even know that it's people that just like the way a lot of younger people get their like funny content is through like TikTok and it wouldn't yeah. be fine before that. I mean, that, that I'm, like, 
Uh, but they might say, I don't like comedy, but they love funny videos. So it's, yeah. it's interesting what that means to people. Um, and I imagine they don't watch like TV, TV, or watch other people. Um, I can't remember what the question was. Really so I was saying, do I you think? Myself. I said, to you, do you think that TV is a well? Do you think that TV is still the goal? Yeah, oh yes, yeah, I think so. I think obviously it's the way to reach the most um, people um, and the broadest, you know, because I think with the internet, it's everything has become such an interest. So you can channel what you like, just only what you like, and if you filter everything else out, whereas with TV. There's an element of chance you might click over and be like, oh, this is, I like that guy or that girl on this panel show. And then you can find something new for them. Whereas yeah. if it's like, oh, I like this comedian, I just watch their clips. And you're, you're less likely to find other stuff. So it's great that it's made people able to self publish. Yeah. But the downside of that can be that it's not the same quality control. Okay. So I'm, I'm in favour of it. I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, I think. Um, there's still a lot of life left in TV comedy and stuff. Yeah. And I think it is the goal for a lot of people. Um, I, I certainly want to do some of these I've started working on my own sitcom. It's oh, very, very nice. early in stages. Um, and it's really inspired by 15 stories. I kind of everydayness of it, you know. Um, but then there's fantastical elements. It's like weird things happen in everyday life. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, it's always going to be about the stand-up. Stand-up first, yeah. jokes first. It's about the craft of writing jokes. Yeah. Um, and I'll never... I'd, 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 you know, I mean, I'd, I'd be very grateful, but I'd hate to be one of those people who's just known for doing panel like, so I'm on this show, that show, that yeah. show, that show. I don't think that's on the cards, I'm not saying that. No. But, um, <laughs> but um, for me, it's, it's always going to come back to the stand-up. And yeah. I always want to be a stand-up of it. And everything else is just a bonus or superfluous to it, or a way of doing comedy in other ways I'm interested in. But mm. it's it's never going to be like, oh, I just write second or I just record. It'll always be that something first. Yeah. Well, that's it because that's what got you there. And yeah. I think a lot of, well, say like comics from the comics from the '90s who went to yeah. Montreal and got a second from there. And I think a lot of them potentially. Forgot that that was where they, that was where they came that was where yeah. they came from. So when they tried to maybe come back to to um, to stand up, yeah. they maybe found it a bit more difficult. Mm. Like I don't know, like t- your Tim Allen's or whatever yeah. else in the world. Yeah, mate, this has been absolutely wonderful chat. Like, uh, where can where can people where can people find you? So um, I'm uh, well online um, on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, I'm on at It's William Stone. It's William Stone. Which is um, really confusing because when I tell people, oh, it's William Stone, they think I'm saying, it's William Stone. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's William Stone. Yeah. The uh, at comes first, it's William Stone. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's where I am online. Um, and uh, my website, where I, I try and keep my videos up to date, I actually do it more on social media, to be honest. Yeah. But it's just. Um, Williamstonecomedy.com. Uh, yeah, and I gig mostly in London and Brighton sometimes, uh, Manchester, and Brooklyn. So very much limited by the train lines. Yeah. <laughs> to be aren't we all? Like, to be fair, we aren't we all though?
I'm trying once a week, once yeah. a week now. Yeah. But it's expensive, and especially as I'm doing open spots. Yeah. But it's got to be done, man, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. It's, um, um, I think uh, there's some unavoidable hurdles. It's not ideal. But you've just yeah. got to do them because if you don't, the next person will. Exactly. You know I mean? so, and it's, it's already an oversaturated market. Um, so you've just got to, you've got to hustle and take the hit on your wallet sometimes. I know it's not ideal. Not everyone can. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is a real shame. Yeah. But um, it comes down to priorities, you know. I've had the same pair of jeans for about a year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but I'm, 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 if someone asks me to come to a gig, I'm, I'm there if I can. You know. So. Exactly. But um, yeah, and it's all about playing as many rooms as you can, as many people, you know, as many different audiences. Yeah. It's festivals great. Um, yeah, just keep, keep looking away. I was actually going to ask you what <laughs> advice would you give to a young to turn up to Um I think it is just work bloody hard. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it's it's not something, you know, you know, you can't, you can pick up a guitar, sit in your bedroom, and play it to, as long as you like and you get good. I mean, you can go out into the world and be like, here's my guitar playing, but like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Whatever. You, learn, you don't learn any. Well, you don't learn. You learn the most on stage. Yeah. You know? And so, um, don't get me wrong. There's some gigs that you feel afterwards like, why did I say I do that? But like I said earlier, you learn something every day. So just do it a lot. <laughs> and I think also don't be afraid to experiment because once you do get to a certain level, you don't want to miss sell yourself to a promoter and no. turn up and be like, oh, what the hell is this? I didn't know you did this. Yeah. You know. So I think now the time to experiment. You learn again loads from experimentation. I mean, I thought, you know, like a year or two ago when I was in BBC Final, like, oh, I can't do anything else now. <laughs> but I'm still, you know, I don't know entity. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like I said, in the last six months, I've really not really changed. I've really honed my persona on stage, and it's working better because I experimented with it. I took that risk, and it's paid off. You know. Right, man, that's absolutely wonderful. Awesome, mate. We'll do the, we'll do the straight handshake that no one can actually yeah. see. <laughs> All right. Good.